Welcome to State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. I'm Dinah DeWall. I'm Alex Sahori. And I'm Ali Gonzalez. We're coming to you from the studios at The Fledge in Lansing, Michigan. As we tape this, it is Sunday, July 28th, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we got a lot. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's just get right into it. Uh, starting with some lighthearted news. Uh, last week was announced that after almost 20 years, the federal government will <laughs> resume murdering people on death row. Yeah. Uh, Attorney General William Barr has directed the Bureau of Prisons to schedule the executions of five inmates convicted of murder and other crimes. And starting in December, they will be sent to live on a farm upstate. I think that most people who watch John Oliver's segment on the death penalty, which apparently was a lot of people, Uh um, I think that that was a big reason why people have been so opposed recently. People have been talking about the death penalty a lot recently, and I think that that was a big contributor. That video, the 20-minute segment of him um, him talking about the, um, the different ways that we actually perform the death penalty not just the death penalty on its own but how it's actually performed the morality of it that really sparked like a an interesting debate in america um so i think that it's interesting that the administration is doing this and they're doing it i feel like in a very specific like carefully calculated way because what they've done is donald trump lost a lot of support, I think, that um, for death penalty when he said that we should be killing um, drug dealers. So he had made remarks about uh, that the death penalty should apply to people who deal drugs. I like think his buddy that, Duterte. Yeah, in yeah, the Philippines. Exactly, yeah. like Duterte. Um, and I think that they knew that. And they kind of took a step back and they were like, well, why don't we start with people that everyone in America can agree deserve to die? Like someone who's tortured and who tortured and killed his two year old daughter and a man who killed an elderly woman and her granddaughter. Like those are things that I feel like tug at your heartstrings in a way that you want them dead. So I feel like this is an interesting move on their part that these uh, white supremacists, you know, across the board people that I think on both sides are kind of like, what do we miss? What do we miss these people? You know, that's an amazing point, Allie, just building on that. You're you're absolutely right. It's a classic trial balloon, right? Like Donald Trump, you know, like bombastically says, you know, we're going to start killing uh, the drug dealers, right? And everyone just thinks, oh, this is just, you know, Donald Trump, you know, just saying his bullshit, you know, this is just, you know, part, this is this part of the script, right? So like when it just kind of goes unnoticed and then William Barr, who is honestly probably one of the, probably a greater threat to democracy than Donald Trump himself uh that guy is uh really something he like him doing this right now is uh like overturning like years and years and years of federal precedent um this is this is really something yeah i also think that it's i think it's interesting um because the Democratic Party, this I feel like is one of the things on the left that people are pretty united about, mm-hmm. is that we just should do away with it. It's kind of this like barbaric thing. Um, people are starting to realize like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth doesn't actually work in that mm-hmm. no one really benefits from it. We've also, studies have also shown that the death penalty does not deter people from committing crimes. Um, but to go back to what you were saying about Bar, I feel like when he first came on, when he first came on the stage, he was talking about uh, the death penalty in the first Bush administration. And he said that uh, there was a quote and I can't think I can't think of the quote um, 
verbatim off the top of my head, but he said that um, the death penalty would be great because we could kill terrorists um, under the death penalty, that we could get terrorists in. And then like in the very next breath was uh, saying like uh, drug dealers and, you know, so it kind of he he's been using language since the 90s where he likens drug dealers to terrorists who are somehow also deserving of the death penalty so i think that it's interesting that he's the one who's like at the forefront of this death penalty like change because he's basically said the same exact thing that donald trump said where he wants to cut off the hands of thieves you know in Mm -hmm. in a way with these like low-level crimes that you know could be Mm non-violent are deserving of such violence like in states where people are still doing these the three-step drug cocktail to kill uh people or they're experimenting with fentanyl because they think that it's somehow more humane and there's i think five states who still use gas chambers to kill people um to kill inmates and it's one of the most horrific horrific things and so it's just like why are we still talking about different ways that we can advance like oh they're gonna do the they're gonna do oh just the one and it's the one drug and it's gonna stop their heart and it won't be painful and um mm-hmm. it's uh, i guess it's it's um uh pencil bar barbital barbital yeah. yeah um and it's like why are we still discussing different ways that we can kill people instead of just not killing people anymore? That's only a great idea to me. My only hope is that like, you know, they do just take these people out and just like shoot them execution style because I feel like that's the only way that you can do a death penalty as humane as possible. And and you can't. Even that is horrific. I mean, the the Constitution outlaws cruel and unusual punishment. I just don't don't fucking understand how here in the 21st century we haven't come to the understanding that putting people to death is fucking cruel and unusual punishment. Especially the ways that it happens. How many botched death, you know, and how many people were executed by the state or by, well, not by the federal government, but definitely by the state, um, just to be cleared later on and exonerated, um, because it comes back that all of this kind of pseudoscience or just, um, science that doesn't actually work, very fallible things like DNA, hair analysis, touch DNA, it cleared them, you know, in the future. And it's just like, we're still doing this and we're still, we're absolutely still going to be putting people to death for things that they didn't do. I think that this is really typical of just like um, the Republicans in general, right? Like, you know, William Barr uh, does just like nasty shit all the time. You know, he covered up Iran Contra. Like, you know, that gun run, that gun running back in the uh, 70s, right? Or 80s, I'm sorry. And um, Under uh, Reagan. Under Reagan, right. And um, we did not trade arms for hostages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, right. Um, so, yeah, you know, they and they they always say, you know, like they're the pro-life party. Right. But they will stop at nothing to just kill people in all sorts of ways and just punish uh, women who want to get an abortion. Like mm-hmm. that is real. Like all, all it comes down to is just like punishing people and yeah. just like everyone that's not like you or everyone that doesn't have means can just, you know, your shit out of luck. 
And that's kind of like just that's the Republican Party basis. This is their uh, this is, you know, their party plan. This is this is their electoral strategy. It's uh, domination of uh, other people. And I think that it's interesting that you brought up um, the correlation kind of to punishing women with abortions in the same hand. I think that the death penalty is the Republicans way of punishing um, black people who commit crimes. Um, right. Disproportionately, black men are sent to um I mean, the death chamber, but at least death row. Um, and a lot of the times they are exonerated and judge still won't, you know, lift lift those cases. We've seen that before. We're at the very last minute. You know, you get that call from a judge that saves that innocent person or you just don't. They don't make that call. And that person does end up getting executed mm -hmm. because they it, it is just about punishing people. And even if you or if don't like have... uh, Bill Clinton and you uh, go out of your way to make sure that like, you know, like a <laughs> mentally disabled black man gets executed. Yeah. And it's like uh, we think that we've come so far from <clears throat> electrocuting 14 year old uh, black kids for crimes that they didn't commit. And we really haven't. Mm. Um, and I think that the judicial, the judicial system, excuse me, it's obviously it's, it's very broken. Um, and when it was, when, uh, the death, the federal death penalty, when it was outlawed in, uh, the early seventies, mm -hmm. uh, the states basically were just like, no, we still want to kill people. And that, it kind of just shocks me. Um, that the states would the states would want to do that be like you know what? we're going to take the initiative like George W Bush killed a record number of inmates when he was governor in Texas and then Rick Perry came on and he was like I'm going to do you one better like hold my beer for the Alamo we're going to kill I'm going to kill more people than him and it that was the trend it's like Texas is trying to keep up, you know, that where whereas other states are like, no, we're going to start rethinking the death penalty. We are going to continue to keep the death penalty out of the state. And it does just seem like uh, the country is just so divided. And I know that there has been a spike now in people who want the death penalty. So it went from like, I think it was 49 people, um, I think maybe 10 years ago, 49 percent of people. Uh, were in favor of it. Now it's 54% of Americans are in favor of it. So somehow what uh, what the right is doing is getting people, is convincing people that they should they should kill prisoners. And it's scary. It's, it's That's a scary precedent when the president says things like, we could kill terrorists and we can kill drug dealers, low legal drug dealers who are, most of them who are locked up that's quite the spectrum, men. right? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Do you think that the Donald Trump brain disease has just made people thirsty for blood? Oh, absolutely. It, absolutely. And I think that... It's their strategy. This, it, is yes. their stra this is red meat for their base. It's hysteria. They love it. They can feed off of the hysteria that people have um, of uh, people who might uh, sneak into your home and brutally murder your family or, you know, brutally murder your brother's family. And you're mm -hmm. going to be just so vengeful and hateful. And I can't speak. I've never been a person whose brother's family was brutally murdered by someone. And I wanted to take revenge out on them so bad that I was like, I would love to see them fucking suffer mm. and die very slowly and painfully. But I think that not it, it's not just my religion teaches me otherwise, but like my literal conscious just teaches me otherwise. So that's just not the way you, that you handle your problem. <laughs> I, th I think that like every conservative like gun nut like just has like this fantasy of like someone like breaking into their house or something and just so and they being able to kill them. so they have the excuse to fucking murder someone death wish right yeah like, this is the death wish they, they they make movies about this yeah like. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's yeah. I think Republicans are they're they're very violent. I think by policy, and now Trump is almost bringing out uh, the nature of their violence, like that innate nature in, in us to be barbaric and to be violent instead of uh, growing and progressing and <laughs> quelling things like uh, impulse actions, like punching someone because they said something wrong to you, mm-hmm. you know? or because they're a journalist. Um, <laughs> Yep. Did, did you uh, did you have anything to add, Donna? I just think it's interesting that learning that the Supreme Court had outlawed both federal and state death penalty laws in 1972, as you referenced, Allie, and um, that like that was the height in my mind. That's like the height of a resurgent left in the civil rights movement and like, you know, the burgeoning of a lot of other social movements. And then that decision is reversed in 1988 after like the, the neoliberal hegemony comes back with Reagan. And, mm-hmm. and like, I, I think it's really interesting that you bring up like people's minds are not, are not set about this, you know, yeah. like people can be swayed either way. Like yeah. pe- percentages of people can start going either way. And it's about a cultural it's a really emotional issue. Yeah, and it's about like what kind of what kind of cultural story are you telling and yeah. like what's the dominant story that is winning. And so I think that's it's like well this is just another marker of like how that cultural story in which people deserve to die for for low level crimes even yeah is winning. And and the create like bringing it back like you know to what you're saying about culture too like in terms of the culture or like the conservatives have nothing like a very like a slim majority is like complete conservative right like down the line like everything republican a very slim majority like most people just like identify as republican and they don't even really know the republican policies you know what i'm saying well, same so could like, be said for democrats right same Agreed, yeah. i yep. mean it's it's everybody people i say this all the time like people just do not have like a developed and strong like idea of like what their politics are because i think america a lot of americans base their politics on emotion and reaction instead of actual policy or um you know what it actually textbook means to be a republican you know that's like uh to kind of get off topic uh what's her name i hear i hear it messed up so tammy tammy Tommy Lauren? Tommy Laren? Tommy La- However I the hell. I believe that's the correct pronunciation. I can't, I don't, I, it's, been, it's been joked she about so much, I don't Tommy even remember what it actually is. Yeah. But, you know, um, <clears throat> she's, you know, supposed to be this uh, pro-choice proponent. Um, and everyone's like, oh, it's so good that she uh, loves women. But what it comes <laughs> down to is that she doesn't. She just wants to be a Republican purist. So she's like, the Republican Party is uh, is the real party of choice and making our own like choices and like personal liberty. So I have to be, you know, that's kind of what her stance is, is that this is what the party tells me that I have to do. So I'm somehow better than most Republicans because I am pro-choice. Right. I don't hate black people. I went on a, on a date with trevor noah yeah he sent me (laughs) we got ice cream and you know so i yeah i think that it's it's one of those things where i don't i don't know how the death penalty is a republican or a right you know sort of sort of issue because what exactly in their dogma uh, makes the death penalty not unconstitutional you know it doesn't really make sense to me this religious party 
would do this when Jesus Christ, you know, they're, they're big dogmas like the Bible and they're very religious. Jesus Christ stopped the stoning of Mary Magdalene. So it makes no sense to me that this would be something that Republicans do. Well, I mean, I would say that the majority of Republican policy like is in contradiction to the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, I think the whole, it's all hypocritical. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, American Republicans, they, they fucking crave death, you know, like you, even if they purport to be Christians or, you know, uh, follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, they, uh, they crave blood. This is what happens when every Sunday you go to a house of worship and there is a big statue of a man being crucified. <laughs> Maybe they should do a study about how crucifixes make people more violent somehow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> looking at history, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've heard plenty of people talk about like, it's, it's pretty fucked up that like your whole symbol, like of your religion is like literally like a form of like capital punishment. <laughs> and like the most violent, horrific. Right, right. Like one of the most excruciating ways to die. Arrows stuck out of him and a little spear like wound oh inside. And it's just like this is what children grow up seeing. Uh-huh. So I mean, maybe there's a correlation. I'm not a I'm not like an anthropologist or whatever it would be that would study that, but I think we should look into it and come back next week. <laughs> great, I great. Yeah, so we'll too. report back. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on to our next story. After days of mass street protests, Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Roseo has officially announced his resignation uh, effective August 2nd. Uh, which is pretty neat. Um, he has been at the center of a really big scandal, which broke uh, earlier this month when someone leaked um, like 800, like almost 900 pages of group text messages between him and other officials in his administration. Male officials. Yes. Male officials specifically, where uh, they just said like a, a ton of like really like racist and like homophobic and uh, sexist shit um, and so people in Puerto Rico have been uh, protesting in the streets for for days uh, demanding that he resign and he finally has yeah mm-hmm. effective August 2nd yes next so next Friday, next Friday yeah. yeah 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 on top of all of like you know the just like incredibly misogynistic homophobic and racist stuff that were in the chat he also like was degrading like hurricane survivors yes uh-huh. and like yes and and really like what really got people mobilized it like i mean the racism and the misogyny that like in the homophobia that was all bad but it was really also the co- the corruption that was exposed like uh from these officials basically uh withholding like hurricane funding and stuff like mm-hmm. that so yeah like um this is huge um this is this should be a lesson uh for everyone in the united states Mm -hmm. about like what mass movement and mass organization and just everyone getting out on the streets can do like you can get positive results and you know it happens like all throughout american history like you know a lot of people are like freaking out about like we were just talking about you know um the justice department you know with their new uh um death penalty and you have uh you know the courts like majority conservative to trump appointees right at the end of the day like it's never really been the courts or anything like that that has delivered justice for the united states it has always been mass movement mass resistance and um you know this is like this is just another lesson in that you know we have to really um just like take uh 
a, a look at ourselves and see why is it that we cannot accomplish this as well. Yeah, there was a tweet from the New York City DSA that we shared on the podcast Facebook page a few days ago uh, that said, watch the Mueller hearings if you want to see toothless West Wing cosplay. Watch the protests in Puerto Rico if you want to learn how to really bring a corrupt government to its knees. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Right. And you had like the Women's March, right? That was like the biggest... Uh, that was like the biggest protest against Trump. And now that's like gone right because of the same wedge issues that we were talking about last week in terms of like the anti-Semitism and BDS stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just I mean, it's they're using all the same tools to like beat us down. And uh, there's just like this, you know, like real halt just like in organizing. And it just really sucks. Yeah, I think that it is hopeful, though, <clears throat> that when we consider not only what's happening in Puerto Rico, but also in Hawaii, that the people in Hawaii have mobilized and they're fighting colonialism and they're fighting um, uh, for the protection of not only their environment, uh, but their their actual like sacred, you know, landmarks. And mm. they're not going to you know, they're tr they're fighting to not oh, yeah, allow they're trying to build like a telescope or something yes, on, a on top of a, a sacred mountain. So yeah. basically what we're seeing in real time what the Native Americans were trying to fight when Mount Rushmore would have been built. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that same, the desecration mm -hmm. of the land that is like very important, not only to the culture, but just to the, the landscape period. And it always, I always feel bad about what happens in not in Puerto Rico and in Hawaii because they're completely exploited mm -hmm. um, by tourism and a tourism that is uh, a tourism industry that is very just unforgiving um, that brings in the worst type of um, people who come in. They litter. Um, they want to indulge in all of the cultural aspects of the area that they can bring uh, while still having a level of disrespect towards the actual indigenous people or the actual natives of those places. So I think that when we also consider that Rosello had resigned, but he was uh, one of the main leaders for making uh, Puerto Rico a part of the United States, when so many people in Puerto Rico want their own autonomous like statehood away from that, they mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. um, be able to rule and govern themselves as their own, you know, nation. And I think that there are a lot of Hawaiians where that um, that topic has come back. That sort of AIM movement sort of thing where they want their own nation and their own sovereignty. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens with Puerto Rico because they're uh, the new governor that they have next in line. She's already facing pushback. So, yeah, we'll, she, well she, she's taking uh, the current governor's place uh, because the person who would be next in succession has already resigned because he's already because he was brought of the scandal, too. Yeah, which so it's like, why would you even want anyone else from that party? Mm -hmm. You know, I know that they just did that in uh, in in the UK yes. where Boris Johnson just uh, came right back in. Uh, under Don't Chase get Wade, me started on that, which I think might be worse. <laughs> you know, so for them to do that, I think it's just it, I, it's so. He somehow looks dumber than Trump. Like, yeah, yeah. He looks like like some weird fucked up clone of Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same wig in just a different color too. Right, so, <laughs> so while we're t while we're on this topic, are the UK, right? And I just like said this about the women's march as well, right? Like, and this, this like we were talking about it with Ilan Omar, AOC, and uh, Rashida Tlaib uh, last week as well, right? Like, this is how 
the neoliberals and the right-wing populism that's globally going on in this like it's globally going on it's not just in the united states the uk right yeah, absolutely. going on in brazil it's going on in puerto rico the philippines it's going, it, it's going on everywhere right and this this is 100% like the, the what they're using especially in the western countries right is this like anti-semitism wedge and the issue of palestine this like what they're doing in the uk right now like the, the, the Labour Party has been pushing for, like, a Theresa May's resignation and a snap election for, like, almost half a year. Yeah. Right? And and what do, like, the Labour elite do? Like, the Blairite na- Labour elites? The, the, the House of Lords are, like, you know, denouncing Jeremy Corbyn days before uh, Theresa May is about to resign. Like, you know, like, uh, they were, like, they had, like, betting lines out on whether or not there would be a snap election, and the odds just went they plummeted because labor the like labor just doesn't want this snap election and they'd rather have Boris Johnson than Jeremy Corbyn and that is like 100% it just drives me fucking insane like i just really can't understand it well i i would imagine that at this point in time uh labor doesn't actually want to govern they don't want to fucking govern it's because they don't well i mean i no. can't imagine well the thing is like no one wants no one should want to govern the uk yeah, right no one now. wants right to now, preside yeah. over brexit exactly yeah, like yeah. anyone will get fucked by there that. there is yes. no winning solution for there's anyone no exit, at all there's even no labor. exit strategy and there's no execution strategy mm-hmm. there, there's no way to execute it or to leave it it's like either you go in and you take yourself out of brexit and you're like you know what never mind we're not gonna do this and the people who really want brexit they're gonna be furious but if you go forward with it people are gonna be furious and people are not only gonna be furious within like england itself like great or great britain itself but people in ireland we know that there is the tension has skyrocketed um with how this is the relations between the irish what the north north ireland mm-hmm. um in the united kingdom is gonna in, in the united kingdom and so it's really scary um and I think that Boris John Boris Johnson is obviously he's going to fumble this and he's going to do it in the worst fucking way. And it'll be exciting to see. I you mean, love you know, to see it, folks. but we'll but we'll, <laughs> we'll see if anything comes of it because there were massive protests in France and Macron is still in power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make a lot of noise and it's just like, what was that even for? You know, at the end of the day, it's just like, yeah, wait until we get uh president Marine Le Pen in France. Oh, Jesus boy. fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what neoliberalism, neoliberalism is going to bring us. Like if we do not like act now and we do not like, you know, get our asses in order and get our asses out in the streets. Like we're just, you, you know, we're going to have to fucking live with a fucking right wing authoritarian era for the rest of our lives. It's- it's socialism or bar- or barbarism, folks. It's, uh, it's the only true binary. Um, going going back to Puerto Rico, real quick though. Uh, one of the one of the funniest things I thought. Uh, one of the things about this I thought that was that was the most funny was um, Governor. It was is it Rosello or is it Rosale? I'm pretty sure it's it's Rosale. Okay, so. Uh, in an attempt to appease protesters, he said that he would not seek re-election next year, as if he thought that was a fucking option. option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that was hilarious. And oh, I, you I, think you're slick, huh? I loved, I loved also the the support that came. Um, from the diaspora back into Puerto Rico. So there were a lot, um, I know that Bad Bunny, who's like one of my favorite artists right now, he like left Europe 
to go back to Puerto Rico and like took to the streets to protest. Um, Ricky Martin, who was singled out um, in the text messages, like personally, like went back to the protests, spoke to the crowds. Um, and uh, there were a few other artists. I know that Princess Nokia, who's um, an artist from New York City, she's port- she's half Puerto Rican. Um, she also showed her support on Instagram and on Twitter to all of her followers about what was going on. So it was really amazing. There were protests in Grand Central Station. I want to say in New York City, mm. um, pro Puerto Rican protest, protest or rally um, in New York City. So it was great to see the unification of the diaspora um, of the Puerto Rican people. It's amazing to see stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So moving on uh, to our next story, uh, uh, some yeah, marginally good news. Um not great news, but still uh, better than it could have turned out. Uh, last week, or it was like a week or two ago, Trump had ordered an operation uh, to arrest and deport like 2,000 undocumented migrants here in the U.S. Um, but surprisingly, out of the 2,000 people they were going to they were going to uh, take. Uh, they only found 35 of them. <laughs> yeah. So instead of like 2,000 tra- tragedies, there's only like 35, 35 tragedies. tragedies. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, obviously, you know, that's not a 100% victory, but it's important, you know, for the left to claim victories uh, where they come. And mm-hmm. this yes. is a victory for the left. This kind of goes also to like, you know, a uh, discussion that we had last week about like whether or not this is like a fascist country. And I like will be the first to say that, like, you know, this country has like fascist tendencies and it's definitely like in a stage of proto-fascism i would say but like in a real deal fascist state like people who stopped uh ice you know from getting these people would have been like mass arrests probably some sent to the killed. same concentration camps right. in some instances right mm-hmm. like and and there would be you know like uh further of support for that so you know mm-hmm. like e- and and it's important, you know, to just, like, define things clearly and just, like, not, you know, automatically just say we're in a fascist state. Because if you if you if we are in a fascist state, that, that that's limiting our toolbox. Right. Yeah. Like we got to, uh, you know, really uh, you know, narrow things down and really, you know, get to the heart of the fascist state. If, you know, like we're, that's what we're dealing with. But, you know, we're we're not exactly dealing with that now. It's very close. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, damper this down or anything like that, anything of the sort. I'm saying that, you know, there are tools to be used. And this is a great example of those tools uh, in action. Yeah. And like you said, it's it, we have to claim what we can claim as victories, you know, while we can still do it, because a lot of this was community based action mm-hmm. um, where neighbors were were saving their neighbors, um, looking out for their neighbors, the different organizations that went out with um, pamphlets of information of what your rights are so that people knew not to open their doors. People knew, um, you know, not to give out information, not to speak until an immigration lawyer got there. This is all from grassroots community organizing and mm-hmm. it's so you know that the we we lost 35 you know we did um but how many other i'm horrible at math so i can't tell you what 35 take away 2000 is but whatever that number is of people who are still here that is huge and that's because of the communities and it's really important um especially in a time when people are being pulled over by ice and taken into ice custody for weeks and months who are actual legitimate U.S. citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important that we are hypervigilant and we look out for each other 
And that's what this was. This was a victory completely owed to us being hypervigilant, us loving each other. Mm-hmm. Not to be all Marianne Williamson, but it is. <laughs> but, but kind of to be all the orbs See, this is what people. When we embrace the power of the orbs. <laughs> orbs save the immigrants. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. Well, you saw her like totally take down Dave Rubin on immigration as well. Yeah. Like, the orbs have that power. That's right. That's right. Don't underestimate them. What I love about this this article about this is the whoever this guy Albents, whatever role he oh, plays in ICE article. is. Um, he cited a tropical storm, officer safety, and increasing intention on the raids among the challenges. It's like, yeah, Trump made these big announcements. Like, we're going to get 2,000 immigrants. And it mm-hmm. was like, oh, shit, uh, great for th- giving us a heads up so yeah. that we can organize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's really important. It's like, yeah, when, we, <laughs> when people actually hear about it, yeah. they want to do something to help. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like... You know, people went to rallies and people like spread the hotlines and yes. and like and I think that's really important. Of, a lot of places of worship. I think that there's like something I I can't remember. I think there's a thousand synagogues uh, and it started in uh, New York State, but then it has spread across the entire United States. There's like a list of like a thousand synagogues um, that will keep when they know that raids are happening in S on their door for sanctuary. So there is like a group of them that are doing that where they are taking in Mm -hmm. um, undocumented people who need that protection. Um, And I think that that's great because that's awesome. It's Mm -hmm. going to, it's going to encourage other um, churches to uh, churches and any other places of worship period, mosques Mm -hmm. and what have you to take in those most vulnerable and to protect them. And that is what religion is about. It's about welcoming the stranger. It's Mm -hmm. about protecting each other. Yeah. Christa Ray in Lansing is, Yes. prepared to do that yep yeah um yeah and they just i think had a a workshop i want to say um or they had an event where people could get more information mm-hmm. on it and lansing's very good about it lansing has been um the outskirts haven't been and we know that they're very loud minority that really uh did not want the sanctuary status um but lansing itself is very very concerned about our neighbors that are undocumented, our neighbors mm-hmm. who maybe passed their visa, their you know their visas have expired. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have those sort of um the actions where okay the, we've got word that ICE is coming to get this family. If you can get to this area at this time to help, like Lansing really has a good action. So I can say that for our city, we we have that going for our city. Also, big fucking shout out to Bernie Sanders, who, when the raids were first announced a few weeks ago, he used his email list to warn people in the cities that were being targeted and make mm-hmm. sure that people knew what their rights were. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just like big, big solidarity move. I'm, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. It's like um, Bernie Sanders doing that using his email list in uh, that manner is something that um, we've never seen before. Um, It's very unique to his candidacy. And it's really uh, fundamental to his uh, theory of power because his theory of power is the only way that we're going to, you know, rise up against the uh, 
military industrial complex, the health insurance industry, the fossil fuel industry, um, the insurance, uh, the um, uh, prescription drug companies. Like the only way we're going to be able to deal with all that is through mass organization mm-hmm. and mass resistance. And him, you know, really uh, strengthening and providing like a signal boost for like these very disparate, but you know, like broadly left. Um, organizational efforts, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's like this immigration stuff, whether it's strikes, you know, uh, you know, across the country, right. It, it, uh, for Walmart workers, $15 minimum wage, Mm -hmm. you know, the list goes on and on. Like he's using that email list in a, in a, like a movement building, uh, manner. And that's never really been seen. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for me, this, that's, that's exactly why Sanders is the only candidate that I that I ever considered supporting this time around is because you can say so many nice things about all the other ones. You know, Liz Warren, you know, she's got all these plans. Yeah. Kamala Harris, she's so experienced. Um, Pete Buttigieg, he's so smart. But really, none of these things fucking matter if you don't have a coherent theory of change and theory of power, which yeah. is what Sanders has. And so I think that's actually a pretty nice segue into our uh, to our next topic. Yeah. Uh, this last Thursday, our favorite socialist grandpa, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, called for a shutdown of the <clears throat> of the Enbridge Line Five oil and gas pipeline here in Michigan. Whoa. Uh, this came on the ninth anniversary of Enbridge's disastrous oil spill into the Kalamazoo River, one of the largest inland oil spills in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a statement on Twitter, Sanders said. Nine years ago, 1.2 million gallons of crude oil spilled from Enbridge's 6B pipeline into the Kalamazoo River. Today, with the climate crisis worsening, we must shut down Line 5 in Michigan and ban all new fossil fuel infrastructure. What we need is a Green New Deal. It's great. He's not the only candidate who has called for Enbridge uh, on on the presidential scale, but he's uh, certainly Inslee, right? yeah, Inslee did as well. But he's certainly the one who where that message is going to reach reach a broader audience, um, and it's gonna it's gonna reach an audience that uh, is going to do more, be able to do more. You know, Michigan, where this is Michigan, the fight to close down this pipeline in Michigan has been going on for years. Mm-hmm. When you, especially when you go up, if you go up north, um, I know uh, towards Tequamanon Falls, you have to take like one street. A lot of those houses up there have signs that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, end the pipeline, close the pipeline, um, and line five and stuff like that. <clears throat> so Michigan is a great place for him to do that. And we know that Michigan voted for Bernie during the primary season. So it is very pro Bernie. Michiganians are going to go out or Michiganders, whatever. Uh, they're going to go out and they're going to mobilize. And, and I think that it can be done, especially with um, Whitmer and with Nestle, who have both said that they're going to do it. And they're like, oh, OK, we'll see you in court. You're going to take us to court. OK, we'll see you in court. So I think that it's it's really hopeful. Like it's really going to happen, you know, <laughs> like, fuck, yes. <laughs> Let's do it. And with Michigan being such a battleground state in 2020 and all the presidential candidates like falling over themselves yeah, to, to make themselves here. look like they love Michigan. I feel like this this could also be a great like, yeah, get the rest of them to sign on to this. Like have yeah. all of the Democratic candidates say Push that they, them that they need to. Push them for the left on this issue, you know, mm-hmm. uh, exa- shut down the pipeline. You're exactly exactly right 
uh, Dinah. This is a really good politics on Bernie, you know, like creating a, a wedge issue in a battleground state such as Michigan, a state that he won in 2016. This, this is a big deal, right? Like he is going to be pushing, putting pressure on other candidates now to say something on this line five issue. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're going to be for I think that's a really astute point. Yeah. Yeah. More than definitely is going to put pressure on candidates more than Inslee would right. have. Exactly. So it's it is really important that it was Sanders mm -hmm. who came out and said this. And I'm sure Kamala Harris is going to come here and, uh, you know, fucking put a video on Facebook of her like drinking water out of Lake Huron. Like, we have to keep the water clean. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and if the Democrats do move to Bernie on this issue, right, like it's just going to feed into this narrative more and more and more that everyone else is singing Bernie's song. Yes. Everyone just. Says Which what has Bernie been a says. big, it's been a big um, talking point that people have been saying about Bernie Sanders. It's like, oh yeah, like I love this song. Bernie, you know, sang it four years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just like exactly. this is exactly what you know we've been saying. You know, we said it in 2015, 2016. Bernie's been saying it for how you know his entire career. Mm -hmm. he's it's not, not rocket science. Yeah, and right. he's not like the Biden type. Like you know, we talked about the um, the death penalty where Joe Biden flip flopped. He was one of the biggest proponents and authors for the um, the Crime Act that you know really that pushed. The it, death yeah, penalty. really pushed and expanding. You know who it. was on the House floor in 1994? arguing against it fucking Bernie Sanders Jay Inslee no, I'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know so it's like he's been true to his word mm -hmm. and he is so old so he's got years of proof under his belt like I am old as shit and I have been saying it for years like I am the top dog you know Let's just just keep listening to me and we're gonna get it done we're you know get so it done. right I remember like you know like a few months ago I, I'm sure people are still saying it but like when this primary season started off like people were saying, you know, like all these other candidates are starting to adopt Bernie's position. So it's like, you know, why does he even need to run now? And yeah. it's like, well, the thing is, I don't believe them. <laughs> yeah, especially not Kamala Harris. She's a literal cop. They like are able to lie like under the law they, they get to lie to people they're and encouraged so, to lie yeah, yeah. so you know she the best liar there is she a prosecutor i don't trust anything that she says absolutely not pete Buttigieg has liar face i don't trust him <laughs> you can go to jail for lying his would be his face would be like the sketch outline that someone would tell the police like this guy is the one who lied to me like he i don't trust him whatsoever you can't trust joe biden he has no true politics he's completely spineless i have no idea how he has like he has a job in politics at all still it blows my mind that he still has any bit of power it's it the makes teeth. no sense it's <laughs> definitely his teeth. i wish i wish i love i love that meme where it was like you know maybe joe biden could open up like an ice cream parlor you know <laughs> and like that would scratch the itch that people seem to have where they kind of like adore uncle this person joe. this uncle joe you know the affable lovable democratic george w bush <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that that is where he should be. I 100% do not trust him to lead the country. He, spineless. spineless. Absolutely spineless. Yeah, you know. But, you know, do I believe Warren when she says things? I do. So, you know, it's you have to take the good with the bad candidates. Like, there are some candidates that I would trust. Do I, do I, would I trust Gravel? Yes. So I think he needs a better uh, campaign uh, manager, a better team so that they can, you know, get him to start polling so that he can get on the I, stage. I, I think they've been doing the best that they fucking can. For high school students, 
absolutely. Um, but I would love to see Mike Gravel uh, actually get on the stage. You know, they 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 he fundraise. He, they fundraise because high schoolers fundraise. That's a thing that you know <laughs> that they're good at. It, you know, and they they're smart because they know they knew the things that they could sell and not even sell. Like, oh, if you make a donation of twenty dollars, then here's a gift that we can give to you. You can choose from these shirts, and that's how they're marketing it. And I think that that is so smart because it's not buy our stuff so that we can get onto the um the debate stage mm -hmm. it was oh when you donate we will give you these things for as low as four dollars and twenty cents you know um what you like can to... get what you you know you can get a bumper sticker that was smart but they're not doing the campaigning that I wish that they were doing so that he could have pulled and actually made it onto the debate stage. Well Gravel isn't actively campaigning really he's basically leaving everything to them. He doesn't I mean the, the dude is almost 90 years old and he yeah. does, he doesn't want to travel. He's like doing like remote interviews and stuff. They kept him off the debate stage uh, because basically um, he the he wasn't really included in a ton of polls. Right, yeah, he wasn't exactly. polling so high like, Exactly. So he didn't meet the polling requirement. Yeah, he, he met he he met the fundraising requirement, uh, but because there were at least twenty candidates who also did, they had to use polling as like the second yeah. arbiter. And it was amazing that he made it. And he, I mean, he made it like right at the deadline. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know, they finally reached that fundraising goal, and that was amazing. And then it was disappointing to see him not not make it because i think that he would do great on the stage and um especially pushing candidates further left and i think that he, you know it'd be a great spectacle to see him and bernie sanders like raising or, raising hell on the debate stage or he would like joe biden would be like look i i, I i'm against line five yeah but what you, you guys think you just want to like dig it out and what happens with the oil It'll go everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. what what will happen? You don't know. You can't. You, these things you can't don't. Know. These these things can't happen overnight. You know, like I, I want. Totally I, I, yeah. I'm against this thing. I don't want chaos. I don't want chaos. Yeah, and that's then Mike exactly Gravel would just like you know happened. kill him, right? <laughs> <laughs> to the Hague. No, but like absolutely, like Joe Biden. It's so funny that is like so perfectly Joe Biden. Look, I'm I against actually, line five. <laughs> I mean, since the debates are happening in Detroit, I'm yeah. actually like I would really love to see Bernie Sanders bring this up in a, a list of other things to talk about the issue specifically in Michigan mm -hmm. and his support for the Green New Deal. Because yes. I mean, hopefully, you're gonna have more than. Six minutes to talk about climate change, these debates. But also, as I hope you all know, there's going to be a big mobilization on Tuesday in Detroit uh, that's called, you know, Make Detroit the Engine of the Green New Deal. Um, and there's a bus from Lansing if you want to go. Um, and Grand Rapids as well, correct? And from Grand Rapids, and from, Rapids and from Kalamazoo, well. and from Ann Arbor. Yep. Um, and that's like, you know, with thousands of people outside being like, we need a Green New Deal. I'm really hoping that the candidates are going to be like, this needs to be a priority. We're going to talk about this talk more. About it. And yes. especially what it means for Michigan and the Rust Belt mm -hmm. and yes. the West. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, actually, um, <clears throat> uh, I believe CNN and MSNBC finally agreed to do uh, 
presidential town halls on climate change specifically. Oh, good. Yeah, and good. the DNC is going along with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do like a town. And actually, that is that might be a little bit better than having like a climate change debate because you're going to have like one on one. Is it going to be one on one with I'm each candidate? I'm not sure of the format. Well, if it if it's a town hall, right? It, like that that seems to intimate that, that it's going to be yeah, one on one with each candidate. That's how I've heard it described. Right? I don't know what the f and exact they're going to have like time to elaborate on their points. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of yeah. everyone just fucking shouting and, and, over and, each other. Yes. Yeah, right. And climate change is an issue where I think, like, you know, that is completely necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. there should be no there should be no debate on climate change. It should right. be just we have to go like zero carbon emission and this is how we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to implement it. And everybody well, going, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Well, well, what they're what, what, you know, this gaslighting is basically is like, oh, well, yeah, we agree that climate change is a threat. It's a huge threat. And we got to do something about the it. Funding? But how is it going to come to how are we going to do this? What what is, what is this going to cause? Like, how is this going to happen? Right. Like, mm -hmm. and that's like, you know, it's all really gaslighting to protect the fossil fuel industry. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We right? raised like, you guys like on a lot of hippie, you know, dogma that, you know, the posters of a child's hand holding dirt in a sprout. You can change the world and we can heal Mother Earth and praise Gaia. And like, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it's great on a poster in elementary schools across America. But, you know, you can't really do that. And it's so frustrating because it's like you didn't just tell us this and it was a lie like the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and that Elijah comes on Passover. Like this is actually something that we can do. And now you guys are telling us you just won't let us. You guys are. Yeah. You, you're not my teacher anymore. Yeah, like, right. We're going to reorient our entire economy around World War Two or we're going to reorient our entire national priorities mm -hmm. around getting to the moon. But we're not going to react reorient our national priorities to save our fucking skins. Yeah. yeah. And save and the children. world. It's easy for Diane Feinstein to not give a fuck when she's gonna be dead next year. <laughs> what about my fucking three-year-old? And yeah. so God willing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Listen, for legal kids. reasons. Yeah. <laughs> for legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> Listen, kids, we know we know that you don't want to drown in the rising oceans. We know that you don't want to die in a fucking uh, forest fire in the middle <laughs> Category of Los seven Angeles. hurricane. But here's the thing: we have we have a genocide in Yemen. We need to fund. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And not end. Not not end through diplomatic like you know meetings between officials. No one wants that to happen with the Trump administration. I'm sorry, but we need, we have funds to go to the border to stop these people from coming here who are coming here because of climate change. Right. You know, <laughs> and it's only going to get worse. And they say that there's a lot of places in the Midwest, Michigan included, that are basically going to be like a Mecca um, when when global climate change happens, like when it really when shit hits the fan, all the Michigan, fresh water, yeah, all we're the gonna water. it's gonna be the. Um, that area, including parts of Canada, so like Toronto and stuff, and that migration is going to be bad. And guess what? It's going to be another Michigan militia, yeah. like Toledo war, yeah. where people are standing at the border and they're like, "Go fucking back! You can't come here and rape us of our natural resources." It and it sounds like it's you know uh, um, this weird dystopian YA novel like where people Mad fall in Max love and yeah, yeah, and like Huron and shit. <laughs> and there's like a triangle, but that's that's the reality of the next 15 years if right. we don't do this. And like you know, this is exactly why like people. 
like the Great Lakes is why people here in Michigan say, oh, you know, we're, we're actually in the best place for climate change or whatever because we got all this fresh water. Well, actually, if you really think about it, this it's state gonna is going to be become madness. a fucking battleground. It's going to be Like a madness. literal battleground. And like, don't pretend that climate change is not going to affect Michigan. Like all scientists are saying it will. It's fucking with Great Lakes already. Already. Th- and the crops. polar vortex that we had this yes. winter, those are going to happen more frequently. And the floods, people mm-hmm. couldn't plant their crops until and they got two out months very after. Late, which means that, and half of them are going to die because they're going to bloom out of season. So weather yeah. changes. And it's going to be, do you, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was about five, seven years ago where our apple crops did really bad one year. And mm. in Michigan, there was like near fucking riots because cutie apple cider and Uncle John's cider mill like in the Lansing area, they didn't get cider out when they were supposed to. And it was really late. And not, and not only did it get out late, it was expensive as fuck because yeah. the crops were the actual crop intake that they got was so low. I don't want to know what's going to happen in the Midwest when corn stops growing, okay? I don't know, I know. what that's going to look like. Battles over corn in the Midwest. It's it's very scary. There's going to be food shortages. There is going to be floods. And then there's going to be droughts. And then there's going to be the polar vortex killed that invasive species, the stink bug that came in. I can't remember what the actual Latin name is for that bug. Mm-hmm. And everyone was really happy about it. But I remember just thinking to myself, if the polar vortex killed those animals what other animals that shouldn't be getting polar vortex temperatures are also going to die over the winter yeah mm-hmm. well, you know you know if it stops snowing like or if it doesn't snow until uh december i think it's a net positive <laughs> what? No, we are going to exile you to phoenix arizona where it's 115 degrees all year round now. right right yeah. Dry no heat. because i like Making the seasons and i'm just saying like i don't i don't want if you to like be... the seasons you got to deal with the snow okay Look, i, I, I just you. don't want my college football to be like all snowy <laughs> i'm sorry you have to you, you know what i like a little bit of snow on thanksgiving and we're michiganians so we're used no, to I, I, no, that's that's, that's for Christmas. That. I do not want. Wait, wait, wait. Thanksgiving is like the cutoff. After Thanksgiving, there can be snow. But before Thanksgiving, and I don't Carey's want snow. All I want for Christmas is you on the radio. Is that is that what the consensus is? Snow exactly. and it's Mariah obvious. Carey. It's obvious. Black Friday. That's obvious. On Black Come on. Friday. Wait, that's obvious. Is this, is this how we mobilize the like apolitical normies like against Obviously, climate yes. change? It's gonna fuck with your football, man. <laughs> do you want to see the Lions beat the Packers or not? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, because like if we if we go to Lambo, right, and it's not in December, like that's a that's a plus. That's a plus, guys. You know, I think that that might work, but I'm from Michigan, man. I'm born and bred. Like, I like the snow that we get, you know, a little early because we only get we only get so long of each season, especially those, uh, what is it, the equinox seasons, so spring mm-hmm. and fall. Like, you know, we try to absorb it as much as we can, but I think that there's that anticipation for snow. I think that it would be weird if, you know, with, gli- with climate change as bad as it is, to have longer summer and then harsher winters it's gonna take the fun (laughs) out of doing those michiganian things like skiing there's only going to be so much time that you can do things like skiing there's a big ski industry in michigan there's only going to be so much time that people can go to our beaches because the uv rays and the heat is going to be too high the heat index and if there's flooding the waves are going to be worse more and more people are going to continue to die in grand haven 
when they're swimming on their beaches because people still swim, even though the flag is red. I don't know what it is about Michiganians. We think we can breathe underwater and people keep dying and it's only going to get worse. And Michiganders so, are just so fucking metal. It's yes. unbelievable. So yeah, we, and people, people ice fish in, in Michigan and you know, like we do that thing. I think that we think that we are immune to extreme weather. Yeah. We have some smooth brain not. motherfuckers out here. Like, like for sure. People at Northern Michigan university or Sault Ste. Marie, you know, who go to school in Sault Ste. Marie where there's like seven feet of snow. Well, let's we'll jump still in go Lake to school. Superior. We'll let's still go to school in basketball shorts well, you know, and fucking boots. You know, <laughs> like, they started calling us Michiganders for a reason. Yup, because we're dumb as geese. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. That's that actually is an uh, anti-Polish trope. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. For legal reasons, we can't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, uh, you mentioned this. I, I heard about this somewhere else too. Uh, I guess uh, the the fucking Arctic was literally on fire during this uh, heat wave this last week. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't me. It was I think Matthias who who had mentioned it that it was on fire. Yeah, because we were talking about. Because I was talking about how sad I've been about the penguins. So the opposite pole uh-huh. of the earth but that isn't on fire but that's just it's just melting because yeah. um I, and i don't know if it's directly because of just uh um the temperature in the air has risen or if it's because of how many glaciers have melted which has made the um the sea levels not just rise but the temperature of this of the sea has risen because mm-hmm. fresh water gets hotter quicker than dense salt water does mm-hmm. so the oceans are getting hotter so it's making it harder for um, marine life um to survive both flora and fauna but the penguins um i think they were a daily or they were emperor penguins this huge colony lost 90 percent oh yeah of its of the eggs so of the babies what because when the penguins laid the eggs, the ice shelf that they have been for millennia, however long penguins have been alive, I don't know, it's not a millennia, but however long penguins have been, they've been uh, nesting their eggs on this ice shelf and it melted and all of their eggs sunk into the ocean. So 90% of it was, had vanished. So the 10% and the elder penguins migrated there was a migration crisis and they had to go to the next nearest colony well now the penguins are dealing with a migration crisis because the environment can't sustain that 10 more percent when their natural resources are already dying out because of previous global warming so the penguins have this huge crisis and i think that within our lifetime um, within our lifetime, we won't have penguins anymore. Right, and especially because when you take into account, like penguins have like characteristically like bad temperament, like they have sectarian like issues. Yeah, like, like they happy have feet wars. was a very accurate depiction <laughs> of how how uh, colonies of penguins survive. I'm not saying the ice shell thing they had it coming, but like they are kind of assholes. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that the colonies are there's colonies. They're very territorial. They're like chimpanzees in that way. Because, or like humans. Or like humans. And, you know, and it, it, it is scary because pe- penguins are known to kill other young, uh, either eggs, so they'll destroy eggs so that they can't have them, or to just really just banish. So we're gonna penguins. watch. We're gonna watch the penguin population collapse into civil war just shortly before we do, right? Well, you yeah, can't. Probably. You, you can't be like too scared about the penguins or the penguins. They're a lot like um, Michiganders. They're really metal. <laughs> um, they're resilient. 
like they're stupid and they're fucking assholes, but they're and resilient. They, they they slip on ice and get right back up. And the videos of it are hilarious. <laughs> you know, 100%. they'll probably find a way to move to the Arctic. You know? Yeah, just like in Happy Feet. I'm telling you, Happy Feet was basically just a National Geographic. It's like a BBC. It was a BBC documentary. And it's true. All Adelie Penguins, this is a fact, are Mexican and voiced by Robin Williams. <laughs> it's true. It's a fact. It's a fact. This is a fact. It's backed by science. It's been peer reviewed. Adelie Penguins are Mexican and they're voiced by Robin Williams. <laughs> That's just true. I think Happy Feet 2, there probably already is in Happy Feet 2. Happy, Happy Feet 4 uh, is going to be about this uh, migration crisis. And it's and the so, Adelie and Penguins the, yeah, trying, the Mexicans to move north. trying to move north. And, north exactly. and a rock penguin with orange hair is going to be right. like, no, we can't. It's not sustainable. We can't do it. No. Exactly. No. No, we don't have the resources for huge problem. Huge problem. The Dealey Penguins move forward. They're not bringing their best, the best of Dealey Penguins, and that's how it's going to be. Right, and the, like you know, Happy, Happy Feet Four is going to be all about like the like the penguin race war. Yeah, yeah, basically. absolutely. <laughs> the Dealey Penguins aren't going to win because they're so much smaller. <laughs> look at Bad. the pe- look at the penguins, the crime infested <laughs> penguin colony. The, 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 they're not sending their best. This they're crime infested from. The other colony. They picked a bad shelf. They picked a bad ice shelf. They want to take our good ice shelf. Like that's not enough. There's not enough room on this for them. So you know, we just gotta send them home. Send them home. And all the penguins start like tap dancing and shit. And that's, that's happy before. Happy before. Happy before. Happy before. I mean, I think it's time that we start showing our children, you know, the real shit. Yeah, yeah, what's really happening? Absolutely. So, it, it, penguin race wars. <laughs> penguin what's race really wars. sad about Happy Feet, though, is that the ending, it ends on a very optimistic thing. For one, the end of Happy Feet, Robin Williams and Brittany Murphy are still alive. Okay. Oh, Jesus so, fucking Christ. But also, um, a girl. That hurts, man. It fucking hurts. <laughs> the, the ending of Happy Feet is literally that a penguin looks a human girl in the eye at like a fucking aquarium and uh, they communicate through him dancing. And people at the UN actually do work and they're like, they're tap dancing because there's no food in Antarctica. <laughs> and then they were like, tap dancing penguin, we have to put a GPS locator on it and we're going to send him out and he's going to find his people and tap dance and we're going to save the penguins tap dancing means we need to get food so the ending of happy feet is that dancing penguins made adults go we have to solve the the climate crisis that was the ending of happy feet and it's sad feet right now because their (laughs) eggs all drowned and that's not what happened they didn't get food he didn't elijah wood didn't swim to an aquarium and bring back fish for his family it's really sad that's why disney is colluding with the rest of the capitalist (laughs) class to pull the wool over our eyes and the eyes of our children to do nothing about the climate crisis yep it's true that's absolutely correct Sad. See, we're not, we're just gonna have like a live action, like they did it with uh, Lion King, just live action uh, penguins. <laughs> and they've, but they've like they you know, David Attenborough narrating like <laughs> <laughs> narrating like CGI penguins with spears. They like penguins, penguins have evolved to have like yes, prehensile created thumbs, and now they have spears. Tools. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Like the likes of like the Battle of the Bastards. Same right. director of Battle of the Bastards will direct that scene. CGI penguins. Oh, dude, that would be so fucking epic. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining it in my head now, and it's got like the light of the seven playing in the background. There's, little like, known fact about the crying. <laughs> little known fact about the Green New Deal and the climate justice is ameliorating the penguin race wars. Like that is part of the Green New part, Deal. Part, yeah, it's, part, yeah. It's, a lot of people haven't read that fine print justice. part of the resolution. It's climate justice, everybody. And, and, and happy pe- happy feet four. Yeah, that's in there. It's it's in the contract. So once you sign it, Disney is forced to do that. <laughs> Did Disney even make Happy Feet? Uh, I actually have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I we, think that might have been DreamWorks. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening to this and you're going to the uh, Detroit um, climate action, uh, bring your uh, penguin uh, signs. <laughs> um, yes. No one will know what you're talking about, but we're gonna try. Like, let's let's think of this. Let's think of this like a uh, experiment for the pod and like our reach. Yeah. Who's yeah. listening? <laughs> right. If you're listening out there and you're a fan of the pod, probably not. It's hi, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, just go out there with your penguins, and uh, yeah, let's let, let's or do this. Let's just tap dance. Just tap dance. Just tap dance. Let's save these penguins. Be like, and we'll be like, listen to the pod. Everyone else, like, Green New Deal, tap dancing, Brittany Murphy, Luann Platter. God, God rest her soul. Well, I think that's a fine place to to wrap things up. So, hang on just a second. So yeah, just uh, just to remind you all, there is uh, there is an action happening on Tuesday, July thirtieth, in Detroit, at the um, at the first Democratic presidential debate, uh, being hosted by a pretty large number of organizations, including We the People, Sierra Club, uh, Greater Detroit DSA, um, Sunrise, Next Gen. Uh, lots and lots of people are going to be there, and it's really important that you come. Uh, I believe that we're all meeting up at 2733 2nd Avenue. Uh, there's an event on Facebook you can find called Make Detroit the Engine of the Green New Deal. And so we hope to see you all there. I'm going to be there. Dinah's going to be there. Yeah. Uh, Alex, yeah? I'm sorry? You're going to be there, right? You're going to be at the action, right? Yes, I'll okay, be there. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, well, uh, thanks for joining us uh, for this week's episode. Make sure you subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get podcasts. We'd appreciate you giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, as it will help new listeners find our show. You can find us on Facebook at State of the Revolution, where we post lots of dank memes. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at SOTRpod. And if you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing on Patreon. We'd like to start producing more content on a regular basis, but while we're still slaves to capitalism, we need your support. <laughs> and you can give it at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, signing off, I'm Benjamin Klon. I'm Dinah DeWald. I'm Alex Sahori. And I'm Ali Gonzalez. Thanks again, everyone. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.